don't make it matter. Got good things, got you. Hoops and everything. Get back, never get back too soon. Are you lonely? Are you there when I'm not in the room? Are you only only a part of this when you choose? Hello, and welcome to the Point of Difference podcast, or as we like to call it, the Pod Pod. I'm John O, coach of the 38,000th rank and climbing Nico Hindsights. Unfortunately, Tubes has a severe case of turf toe and he's unable to join us tonight. Matt was free, but he was too scared to join us for reasons that are going to become clear as the show goes on. Nico Hindsight is the perfect place to start after the weekend of NRL Supercoach we've just had. Logic dictated that leaving Nico Hines out until at least round seven was the right move. The big guns and be generally underperforming. The magic number change meant that Nico was overpriced from how it was calculated in the preseason, and the Sharks have a buy in round six. However, in Nico hindsight, all of this was rubbish, and Nico's 180 points proved it. Those who got him in were guaranteed a strong score, and those who were brave enough to captain him climbed up the rankings. To discuss all of the big players and strategic moves heading into round five of the NRL season, I'm joined by two of my fellow super coaches tonight. First, a man who last round had the good sense to bring in a right-edged dominant halfback in his second year with his club, who has the ability to go 100-plus with ease. Only in his case, that halfback was not Nico Hines, but Adam Reynolds. It's the coach of the Casabonitas, Dan. Welcome, Dan. Thanks for bringing that up straight away, mate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, talk about Nico Hines. I was, I was thinking, oh, you know, hey, Ray, he's coming off a... Coming off a 100-plus score, he's going to go up hopefully to about 700, maybe more. They've got a great run, the Broncos. I'm like, surely Nico can't outscore him in two games uh, for for Reynolds three. And, uh, yeah, I think he put six times the amount of points on in, in one game. So, yeah, I mean, I had I had some trades planned where I could have got Nico in and, and I thought maybe, no, nah, I'm just going to go conservative this year. I'll uh, I'll stick to stick to my Adam Reynolds and, and Gilbert Grapes and – uh, yeah, it's, it's all turned to the grapes. Yeah, and, and Reynolds was sitting on zero points after about 65 minutes, and he was only a late try assist that even got him up to his big score of 23 or whatever it yeah, ended up being. complete opposite to, to the way Nico was playing. I think first play of the game, Nico scored maybe 30 points with a, with a line break, first <laughs> touch, you know, line break offload. He's just It was just incredible. It's the most dominant uh, super coach score I've, I've ever seen, really. I know it's not the highest, but it, it was just so, so hard to watch as a non-owner. Yeah, and I'm sure there's plenty more to discuss about Nico as, as the episode goes on. But next up, we have a very special best, a, man, a very special best, a very special guest, a man who is bringing a little bit of class to the pod this week, someone who did bring in Nico Hines. He chucked the C on him. However, he also did something all of us strive to do each week, and he actually won the $2,000 weekly prize with a score of 1,541 points. It's coach of Scandy. Scandy. Hey, boys. Thanks for having me. Well yeah. done, <laughs> Cheers, boys. Yeah, can't believe it. It was um, earlier in the week, I was, I was messaging a mate. And I'm like, I might be a sneaky here for the, the team of the round. And uh, yeah, long and behold, I kept refreshing on the Monday and saw my team up there. So yeah, happy days. Is that the biggest super coach score you've ever had, 1,549? I think I've scored a sixteen hundred somewhere. Right. Like there was last year where there was like massive scores, so I think I did that. But yeah, it's a pretty pretty decent score. I was very happy with it. So I know one question that's been pressing for the people on social media who've seen your team and are trying to pick holes. I actually thought you had quite a well balanced team. You see a lot of these teams of the week, you look at them and they're just lucky. But your team actually seems pretty well balanced overall. But AKP, you played him. What was the thought process of playing in AKP, a man who gets about 10 points in base a week? 
Yeah, I was. I actually don't think that was like the ballsy choice. So I've been watching him pretty closely, and I I kind of lo- like what I see from him. Um, he is a rocks and diamonds type player, but like he makes tackle breaks, he runs hard, and I like that he's kind of on that edge with Fafita mm. and Foran. Yeah. Um, and it looks like Fafita's doing a bit of ball playing as well, like setting him up some tries. So I actually like that. Um, yeah, that's kind of why I played him. I think the bigger one was playing Warbrick, and that was actually, of course, a Dan. Um, I think last week on the pod he said, oh, the Melbourne wingers are actually going to – it's only a matter of time before they start scoring points. And, yeah, luckily for me, they scored some points against the Tigers. I, I think you're trying to just make me make me feel a bit better this week, mate. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, I, pre- I appreciate that. Yeah, Carl Pereira, watching him on the weekend, he put, he significantly picked up his base work as well and he looked hungry. I think with whispers of uh, Kenny Mamalo coming to the Titans, I think he's now thinking, oh, it's a, you know, I've got to push for this spot. Uh, Fafita's mm. try assist on the weekend was about six metres forward to the uh, to Carl Pereira. Yeah, yeah, but was. Uh, I was still happy as a, as a uh, Fafita owner and, uh, Carl Pereira sitting on the bench isn't the worst. He's going to make a huge amount of cash now. It's just, yeah, it'll be interesting this this week. He's obviously got the buy, and then there is a few whispers that he's going to be dropped uh, potentially, but I don't see that happening. No, it'd be crazy for them to, to drop him. Um, Mamalo hasn't looked interested in 40 since he left the Warriors. Um, I don't know why they'd play yeah. him over. Preseason uh, yeah, early pod from Matty Ricks, I think, was uh, Kenny, Kenny Boyd Mamalo. So... <laughs> Who knows, he, he, might, he might finally come good. We'll see. All right, well, let's move on to our uh, discussion of the, of the teams and the players for this week. We actually had some great feedback on the slight change from, from that we debuted in last week's show. So going through it positionally, doing it a little bit different to most podcasts where they go through a game by game. So we'll, we'll stick with that this week on, on the back of that positive feedback. Starting off with the hooker position, there's probably not too much to discuss here. One thing worth mentioning for his many owners is that Sonny Luke Got a Category 1 HIA last week, which means he's unavailable for selection. He's been replaced by Tyrone Peachy. I mean, Dan, he's just a hold, isn't he? He's just going to take him as a slow burn man. Yeah, you have to. He's not. Uh, he's he's going to make a bit of cash still. The nine in his rolling average is going to be a bit annoying. Uh, you've still got till round 13, really, to hold him uh, and probably upgrade him to a to a second hooker gun if you've got him there. Um, very... Very difficult to cut it, especially with Nico on on what he's going to do now. It's very hard to upgrade Sonny Luke to a high priced hooker. So I I think he's just a, just a hold. The only thing Dan maybe slightly push back on that is he doesn't Harry Grant. I know a lot of people are running a Harry Grant Sonny Luke combo. Don't, don't the Storm have a buy coming up in round eight or nine? Yeah, that's, that's is that true. maybe where people might look to? That's where Sonny Luke might be if he's still only getting that twenty minutes off the bench. That might just be something for. For super coaches to consider, but they've got a little while to think about that one. They do, and I'd probably look to say now with like Brandon Smith back, he's four hundred something k. If he has a couple of belters, I think that's a much easier target to bring in. Yeah. You're only spending about two hundred to three hundred k rather than going up to a to another hooker that's you know six hundred k plus. Um, yeah, I know. I know, Liam, you're pretty keen on uh, talking about six hundred k plus. Jeremy Marshall King coming back into the Dolphins side. Yeah, so he's back in this week. Um, now that Sean O'Sullivan's injured, I'm thinking maybe he's going to pick up some of that attacking slack. But like you said, he's he's at a bit of a funny price. Um, 
he is a bit of a pod. He's only got one percent ownership. Um, so yeah, he's a he's a maybe. I'm not really sure about him, but he's he's definitely an option. The last hooker that I wanted to oh sorry, Dan, go mate. No, I was just gonna say I liked the look of him early on. He looked very um very involved in the the attack and and some good good work rate as well. Uh I know Bennett likes to play a hooker off the bench, so I don't see him playing 80, 80 minutes. Uh but uh and, and I think Sean O'Sullivan's a massive out for the Dolphins. Uh he's, he's I think he's a Huge. very, very good player and steers him around really well. So they could lose their head a bit with uh, Milford and Katoa in the halves. And while we're on that, just to bring up another relevant player in the Dolphins, oh, I thought that ICAT uh, might get that halfback role. Uh, it was very interesting to see that Wayne's gone back to his old favourite, the MILF, and put the number seven on the MILF's back. And we saw that at the Broncos where they tried to make him that organising, game-controlling player, and it just never worked. So I think that's, yeah, dangerous signs. But we'll see if maybe ICAT can pick up a little bit of that slack with JMK. Uh, last hooker that I wanted to quickly mention was Damian Cook, who I think is uh, becoming a player who is very interesting moving forward. He's lost about 80K so far this year. I think he's got a BE up around 85 to 90 for this week. So I think with it, when it comes to Cookie, South's draw starts to ease up a little bit moving forward soon. So I think he's just one just to put on the radar. His runs have been very much down so far, but last week he seemed to be a little bit more enthusiastic to get out of dummy half. So just one to watch. Uh, moving on to the front row forward position, uh, Dan, our resident physio, Torhu Harris getting named this week. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's interesting. So obviously they've probably done all the scans and seen the ACL's fine. Uh, it's not looking too bad for him. Might have just been a shock, you know, having such an injury like that and uh, uh, just, you know, getting a hit in an awkward way, jolting the knee, basically just might have just brought up some bad memories for him. So he could have just gone into gone into uh, shutdown protective mode and that's why it was so <laughs> painful. But uh, it's good to see him. And, and owners, it'll be very interesting now with a, what did he get, 30-something in his in the game. Um, so he'll have a high break even. He'll drop some cash. It could be very good for non-owners actually picking him up in a few rounds. Yeah. Another one who I know is a popular brigand uh, over the weekend and someone who the pod pod talked up and maybe many of their listeners jumped on was Tommy Gilbert, Gilbert Grapes, who had one of those games where he actually looked probably like the most important Dolphins forward and was very impressive in actual NRL football. Didn't really translate to super coach with a score of 45. Uh, Scandy, did you bring in Gilbert Grapes last week? Luckily, I didn't. Um, I was – I had to make other trades, but, yeah, he, he is a possible option there. Um, I don't mind him as a, as a player. Um, does he have dual status as well? He does. Yeah. I think he does, yeah. So he's a pretty good option. Um, the other guy that I was looking at is Max King. So originally um, with Tohu Harris, I thought he was going to be injured. I thought he could be a bit of a downgrade option. So you could take Harris's cash and bring in Max King. He's got a pretty decent average of 64. Uh, his previous scores have been, what, 52, 65, 67, 72. Uh, and 5% ownership. So... I don't know. He's probably a person you should keep on your radar. Um, I might actually bring him in at some stage because he's he's a decent player. Um, I like him. The only thing you probably need to monitor is when uh, Tavita Pangai Jr. Mm. comes back from his stint on the sideline. Yeah, it's it's interesting. He's under 600K, which is quite good for the kind of if you're thinking he's going to be that kind of 60-plus 60, 60 average. So. Uh, I don't mind it. I think um, if you're only running, say, um, 
a pr- one premium and say Uto Ukamano as your second, he's not a bad one to go up because you don't have to spend as much cash as the other guys. So, yeah, don't mind it as a as a play, odd play. And dogs don't have a buy for a while either too. I think round 13 potentially might be the first buy. So, yeah, good one to sit in. You're mentioning from the front row forward, are we happy to move on to the, the back row? Another man with high ownership who is an interesting one to talk about is Christian Welch. Scandy, I know you've got a couple of thoughts on him. Yeah, my th- so he's in my team at the moment and I'm just torn on whether to get rid of him for someone else or keep him. Um, I'm sure he will make money, but uh, the man known as the White Rhino, the last of his kind, uh, he's put away <laughs> his offload in the last couple of games. So I've been pretty disappointed in that. So he hasn't been s- scoring as well as he did in the first game. Um, yeah, he's only doing like 55, what's his average, 49 and a half. So... Yeah, I'm a bit torn with what to do with old Welsh. Yeah, I'd, I'd give him a little bit more time. Just to, I think he's still underpriced. He's not. He is definitely getting managed. So <clears throat> I think uh, I think that may increase. I think I think he's at, at his absolute floor at the moment. Uh, it's just yeah, just not great viewing when he's not getting those offloads and his his minutes have dropped five or five or ten from from what we what we were expecting. This game, well, the juggler, the juggler's come out at Brookie. All right, uh, let's move on to the the back row now, which I think there's a few interesting guys to talk about this week. I think one that we should talk about first because he's going to be a popular bring in this week is Jackson Ford. Uh, he's one that I'm definitely looking at bringing in. Uh, I'm looking at downgrading a gun who we'll bring up soon, but he is one of those guys who's putting out good super coach output outside of his HIA score in round two. Uh, and he's another one who's just really passing the eye test. He looks like he's massively up for work. He's he's into everything. And for a bloke who had always kind of floated around as a bit of a fringe first grader, uh, looks like he might be one of those players who's gone a bit undersung. Do you guys have any strong thoughts on him? Is he a pretty strong trade target that you guys see for this week? Yeah, I see, I see him as definite option if you're going to be downgrading or, or trading out someone who's going to be losing cash. Uh, he's an easy option this week. Uh, break even still in the 20s. So I wouldn't be bringing him in if you had another one of those, uh, I guess, mid-rangers now who are still generating cash. So the likes of Preston, uh, Loyero, they kind of got similar break-evens and they're still going to make the cash. So if you bring in Ford and uh, something goes wrong, you're not making a huge amount more cash than you were by holding the, um, by holding the other guys, even if it does go right. Uh, and then if something does go really wrong, you're actually wasting two trades. So I would be looking only as a, as a downgrade option to free up cash to go to, to go to a gun elsewhere. Uh, or yeah, potentially, as say, if you've got a, another guy who's injured or, or, or cheap and high break even. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, another guy who I think just to put on people's radar, although Scandy, you said I think you might be tempted to bring him in early, or maybe it was Dan, is uh, Zach Hosking from the Penrith Panthers, who's named to start this week, had a massive score last week, and another one who really passed the eye test, looked very, very impressive with 54 tackles, none missed. Uh, so, Dan, can you sell to us maybe why he's someone who we should go the week early on, or are you still having some questions yourself? I'm definitely having questions. The The issue is I was hoping that like Panthers were going to be named full strength and um, Garner was going to be there or be available or on the bench 
Uh, but I think he's out of the team. He's out of the seventeen, isn't he? So yeah, yeah they, they haven't called it him being dropped. They've called it a rest for niggling injuries. So yeah, mm. he's not dropped. But Liam, Liam not- Martin's the other one who's out as well, and he's hurt. Yeah. So there's a little bit of little bit of risk in going him early if they if they flip the team. Uh, but I mean, he looks great. He looks he looked rock solid. His base stats are there. Um, obviously, jagging the try and going a hundred plus. Uh, that's what you want to see out of a second row forward. You want to see one attacking, big attacking stat, uh, and they can ton up. So uh, I did a little bit of research on him. I think last year, uh, every 80-minute game he played, he, he averaged 63 uh, without any tries uh, or I think try assists as well. So it, he's, if he gets a starting role, if he gets 80 minutes, I would expect to see 65-plus average. Yeah, he, he was really impressive last year for the Broncos, which is why people were excited about him as a at signing for Penrith. I think if he plays on the left edge this week, that's going to be very interesting because that, to me, would make it seem like they are almost auditioning him for that left edge role uh, to see if he might be a good replacement for Luke Garner. So I think he's definitely one just to keep an eye on. Uh, one that I want to talk about is Cameron Murray. And I'm going to put to you guys that for me this week, he's a sell. And I'm hoping one of you two might have the opposite viewpoint. And I've got some reasons as to why I think he's a sell. It's a hard one for me to say as I'm a massive Rabbitohs fan, but he's averaging 61.5 for the year so far. He had 82 in the first round. Uh, has been a little bit disappointing, 60 and sub for the three rounds since. And for me, logic is telling me that he'll come good, and I do think he will, just for the record. But the reason I think he's a sell now is that he is not looking like he's at his usual peak fitness. Obviously, South made a deep run last year. He went into the World Cup. I'm assuming that they gave him a little bit of an easier uh, off-season and gave him a bit more of a rest. And he just looks a little underdone. Like watching him last week, he was often the last South player back after the other team would kick. Uh, And he only ran for about 40, 50 metres, which is so far down below what he usually does. And his his total runs for this year are massively down. Uh, am I overthinking this? Because I'm looking at using his cash to get Nico Hines this week. So if I'm someone who's looking to trade down Murray to, say, Jackson Ford, is that a good move if I'm then using that money to upgrade to Nico Hines for one of my halves? Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, – so I, I'm a Murray owner as well, and I've seen on the socials everyone's getting rid of him. Um, I think – I'm going to hold him because I just feel like he has the potential to explode. Like he scored, what, 80-odd in the first game. Has The last couple of games have been pretty quiet, but he hasn't scored a try. He hasn't set up a try. Um, yeah, I feel like he's just got too much pedigree to like just throw him away. But, yeah, I personally, I'm going to keep him for another week, see how he goes. Um, but, yeah, there's always the option of trading him down. Yeah, I, I feel very strongly about this. Uh, hold Cameron Murray. 666K. There's absolutely no value. It's, it's, he scored, he didn't do, he obviously got 80 minutes on the weekend. No attacking stats. He couldn't have thrown the ball off more. Uh, and he still scored a 60. So I don't see any value. Like that's that's his flaw in, in terms of that. If he's getting those minutes, obviously, if he gets rested a little bit more, it's going down a bit. But, I he's one of those guys he's, that can get in the back row. He can get two try assists and a try in the game, go 120 plus quite easily. So I don't see any value at his price. Say he was still 760k, and you and you only get in that output for sure. You could see him as a sell, uh, but 666 uh, thousand 
uh, there's no reason. You know he can he can go berserk in in three or four rounds. So I've, I'm strongly of the opinion that you've got to hold him. Yeah, fair call. Looks like I'm outnumbered there. Uh, I, I think <laughs> I am going to trade him this week. But for me, it's purely a Nico. Couldn't convince you. Well, he'd be able to convince you. Yeah, I ignored, ignored everything you said. No, but for me, it's it's purely coming down. I actually do think he's a really viable hold. Just for the record, I think it's purely for me circumstantial. I'm looking at what Nico did last week. And I'm, I'm looking at Nico against the Warriors this week and remembering when he got, was it 190 last year he got when the Sharks had two blokes sent off against the Warriors and like just a ridiculous effort. And I'm just not wanting to miss out on that kind of scoring again. And Murray down to Ford is my personal way to do it. But I do fully understand why he is at a hold. The last guy that we want to talk about in second row forward is a bit of a pod. And I like Skin. You're bringing big pod pod energy. You're looking at Britain Nakora. What, what can you tell us about him? Yeah, I got to bring some to the podcast. Um, I might not bring him in this week, but I like. I'm a, I'm a shark, massive shark supporter, and I like what I see from him. Um, he just runs that crazy line. They take a lot of like of the sharks attack down his edge, um, and uh, Nico looked good, like handing him off the ball to put him over for that for that try. Um, yeah, he's only two percent ownership. Last three games, he scored 92, 81, 98. Um, I think you got – I'm feeling you got to have him in at some stage. Um, the guy's an absolute gun. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's another one who's looking very impressive. Sorry, Dan, what were you going to say? Uh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I agree. He's, he looks good whether Nico Hines is there or Trindle's there. So pretty secure. He's too too spenny at the moment for me and particularly with around six by. I can't bring him in this week, but he'll, he'll he he looks like if he stays fit, he'll be he'll be absolute top tier second row forward going forward. Well, let's move on to halfback and I think uh, the first man that we're going to talk about is is Nathan Cleary who I was feeling very smug on Thursday night. I put the C straight on Cleary and was thinking I'd, I'd pulled off an absolute beautiful play uh, until Nico ran out on Sunday, but are you guys – I don't think either of you are Cleary owners at the moment. Please correct me I, if I'm wrong. I, but No, no. I'm, I sold Cleary last week to get in Hines, so I'm kind of happy with that one. Yeah, that's cool. worked out well. Wow. Uh, what's your plan, Scandy? Because I think Cleary is someone you're going to want. Do you have a plan in mind to get him back into your squad? Because obviously you're going to want it to be sooner rather than later with Origin and stuff coming up. You're going to want him in your team a bit before that, or are you happy to just ride it out and – I'm actually happy to write it out. Um, so, like before the season even started, I had I had the, a gut feeling that Cleary wasn't going to explode like he did last year. And he scored. What did he score on the weekend? Seventy-seven, I think. Seventy-eight. Yes. Yeah. So that's. I would. I want to see him getting hundred bombs before I actually bring him in. Um, I've obviously got Hines in my team. Um, I mean. It's hard to if you don't have him in. It's hard to sit there and watch him dropping 180 bombs. Um, so I, yeah, he's the key. He should be the key target for most people, I think. Dan, what about you? Yeah, I've, I've, I like him at his price uh, now. I probably want to see him go low against the Raiders, and then I'll still bring him in, even if he's got 100. 100 in his uh, break-even. Uh, I am floating around if I can get the cash for Cleary this week as well uh, because I think he's a good chance of going really well against the Raiders. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time before he starts to starts to go. And, I mean, 
you know, I can't I can't afford Nico. I've got a three three round plan to get Nico in round seven now. So uh, I'm gonna not watch the Sharks game this week, <laughs> and uh, and I will <laughs> probably probably not get uh, Cleary this week. But I'm definitely gonna get him in next week, uh, and then by round seven, running Nico and Cleary. Uh, I just I just think there's no real other option there. Maybe looking towards the buy, um, Mitch Moses is is going down in price. I've never liked him as a as a player and a, as a personality, but say he gets to <laughs> gets to under six hundred k. Again, he's a he's he's a potential target for for playing that buy. But the way it's gone now, it looks like you just need to go Cleary and uh, Hines and just lock them away for the year. Dan, just on that, you mentioned Mitch Moses, and it brings me to a topic that I'm interested to talk about and hear your thoughts on because you are the big picture strategy man on the podcast. You mentioned Mitch Moses, Parramatta Eels. Uh, everyone's talking about the Eels players when it comes to round 13, 16, and 19 because they don't play. They play all of those big buys, so those players are, are, are pretty prime. They have a lot of relevant players. You mentioned Mitch Moses, uh, Dylan Brown, Sean Lane, Ryan Madison, Jermaine Hopgood. How many eels is too many eels? Do you think that we should be targeting to have in our teams? Like, if you were to get all those guys, I mentioned five names. You could also chuck in Panasini and Gutho as Smokies as well. When are we getting to too many eels covering those buys? Uh, just like a, as a simple answer, you're probably looking at four would be your absolute max, uh, and then four four that you would actually play in your seventeen regularly is maybe too much as well. Uh, the issue is if you're talking about round 13 specifically, Eels have the buy round 14. Yep. Uh, so does Manly, and I can see myself having three or four Manly players for that buy in in, in the likes of Garrick, Schuster, uh, holding Tommy Turbo, uh, even going to one of the forwards there in Olaquatu. So, like, if you're potentially holding eight of those guys and then round 14 comes along, like you're going to have to trade, obviously, but you, you a couple of origin injuries and you're gone. So you need to really think about your team balance at the moment. Uh, I would I would be not having say more than more than three or four of those guys max from from a particular side. Beauty, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, let's talk about Nico. Uh, obviously, we already have a lot, but in terms of those people who didn't buy him last week, and there's a lot of conversation I've seen on, on social media about. Do you bring him in this week or do you just play the logical call and wait until round seven after the Sharks have had the buy? Uh, Scanny, this is easy for you because you own him. But for someone like me, I'm going to take the plunge and I think I'm just going to get him this week. I'm just so worried about him going absolutely massive again. Dan, you sound like you're happy to hold off and wait until a later date at this stage. Happy. Happy is a strong word. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not happy, as in like just logically don't have the cash to do anything otherwise. Uh, it's it's If you bring him in this week, you obviously get the points. It might be absolutely worth it. I'm not saying it isn't. Uh, but then you're having 900 grand on the bench uh, yeah. for the week after. And if, say, for example, you trade Cleary, then you're not playing Cleary or Hines in that round six uh, which is which is tough. So it just depends on how strong you are across the park. And I would look at that as kind of players uh, that you have, say like center wings where you might see them as a good matchup in round six and you're like, oh, well, I, I could play him anyway. He could he could get a good score, which is going to then negate not having another gun halfback in the team. And I, you know, so it just depends on your team structure. But say you have to play 
someone like uh, Josh Schuster uh, in that round six game. I think they've got the Storm or someone else quite good. That That's a hard one. So just playing someone like a Schuster instead of a Cleary, there's a big big points differential there. So I think you just got to look up your team makeup. If I could work it out in, in a way where I could have a strong team for round five, round six, round seven, and bring in Nico straight away, I definitely would. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Again, I'm going to ignore everything you've just said and bring him in this week, but I do, I do think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Um, while we're on the Sharkies, Dan, uh, sorry, and uh, Scandy, I'll come to you for the next guy, but Dan, I know you're an owner of Braden Trindle. For you, is it just a pretty clear case of hold for this week? He's coming off the bench and then trade him out for round six? Oh, it's, a, it's such a hard one this week again because Sharks play late. So say he's laid out again. Like well, that's absolute absolute uh, absolute death if he drops out of the 17 because he's not making money you can bring in a potential you know gun 58 or bring in Schuster at uh, 58 uh, for some cash generation to spend elsewhere you're definitely not playing him in your side you're just looking at that minus 39 break even so if he steps on the field and gets a 10 to a 20 he's still making 60 grand and then you can move on so uh, it's it's really tough with that with that ankle injury that's floating about as well. You can see him just dropping off the bench there pretty pretty comfortably. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's so, one that I think it's worth the worth the hold, I think, just in case. But, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, Scandy, your man, Pezzet. I think, is it Pezzet or Pezzet? I don't know how to say it, but the, uh, the Melbourne it's, Storm. I think it's Pretzel. What are your so, thoughts yeah. on him, Scandy? Well, I guess my question kind of piggybacks off Trindle. So, obviously, with Sharks having the buy, I have at the moment Hines and my second halfbacks Trindle. If I go um, the week after, I'm not going to have a halfback because of the buy for the Sharks. So, my question is should I bring in my man Pretzel um, to make some money uh, with Trindle and Hines not playing? So, I would trade Pretzel. I mean, Trindle for pretzel this week. Mm. It's a tough one. Do, do you see Pazette playing round six? Uh, well, yeah, I think Hughes is back round six, isn't he? He is. Is he? So I think. It's- so it's nearly it's nearly a trade in trade out scenario because if you're running Hines and Pazette, it's Pazette possibly getting a bench spot. He definitely won't play over Munster or um, Hughes. But the, the only and a very, very slight chance would be that Pazette stays in the halves and Munster goes to fullback. But I can't see, I don't see that happening with the way the Mimi is playing. So I think it's a big risk to think you can play him uh, and Nico as your, as your halves. Yeah. Last one, just, last one just briefly worth mentioning is uh, Icat Katoa from the Dolphins. I only want to mention him because I think he's a keen watch for people who are running Nico Hines and ICAT as their halves options. I think there's a chance this week, we mentioned earlier that with, with Milf now in the number seven jersey, Katoa is a natural number seven. Five eights out of position for him. He, he's used to being that kind of game dominant halfback. So I just think he's worth a watch this week to see if uh, his kind of productivity picks up and he takes on a bigger role. Let's move on to 5-8, where there are a couple of guys worth mentioning. Uh, the first one is Adam Dewey. Obviously, he played fullback on the weekend. I think he got a score of 53 in the end. And watching the game, it didn't look like he was 
worthy of 53 points. He was very uninvolved, not looked just looked unfit and just looking like he almost didn't want to be there at times. Sometimes defensively he'd be at fullback. Sometimes they'd shift him onto the wing. And I think he spent the last 15 minutes in the centres as well. So it's a bit of an interesting one. Uh, he's one that I'm looking at trading this week. But, Scandy, I think you're putting him up as a bit of a hold. I know you've got some numbers on Dewey that people might find interesting. <laughs> I do have some numbers. I'm bringing the, the research to this pod. So <laughs> someone has to. Yeah, he um, in his last two games against the Broncos, he scored 122 points, uh, and the game before that, 154 points. So, can he do that again? I'm not confident. Um, <laughs> I, ever since they moved into, I don't like him at fullback. To be brutally honest, um, he just doesn't look fit. He's got that turf toe. Um, Same yeah. as tubes. So it's kept tubes out tonight. It's tough. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's a killer. Yeah. Uh, what do we think about it? Oh, sorry, Dan. That's all right. It's, it's just going to happen all night, I think. It's just, it's just, been, uh, <laughs> just the flow with the new the new, um, the new host doesn't know that I like to just chime in late with a, with a few comments. <laughs> uh, Dewey, it, it seems like he's managing that turf toe. It's, it's not ideal, obviously. Uh, fullback... I don't think it's the worst for him. Uh, I think it, it gives him a little bit more um, ball early on in the sets and it, and it also probably is the right way for Tigers. Um, they're, they're not looking for him every single time to do something near the line. Whether Luke Brooks has got any ability to kind of get him over and they're going to him more, maybe maybe not the best for, for Tigers in general. But in terms of Dewey, I think we saw he didn't do much on the weekend and still scored in the 50s. Again, if you're looking at value for price, 570K uh, for a guy who's going to have a quiet game and get 50s and then potentially gets a few attacking stats and gets, you know, 80 plus, 90 plus quite easily, uh, I think he's a definite definite hold on the value. It just depends on your plans to bring in the other halves that, you know, you have to now. Um, so Cleary, Nico, uh, is, is he worth a downgrade to a Schuster so you can get Nico Hines? For sure, you know, so... Uh, I, I'm happy to hold this week and next. Uh, I'm looking to maybe trade him out for Nico in round seven, uh, but I can certainly see him as a good play this week. I think he, he can easily go over 60-plus quite easy. Going to bring back a, a dead pod pod segment, would you rather? Uh, one word answer for both of you. Would you rather Burton or Dewey? Dan? Dewey. Scandy? Mm, hard one, Burton. Oh, I split. I'd go, oh, I'd probably just lean Burton as well, just because the dogs look a little bit better and I think he might get more goal-kicking points. Uh, moving on to the next man in 5'8", is Josh Schuster. Uh, there is going to be some predicaments coming up soon where people are going to potentially be stuck with Schuster as their number one 5'8", and I think that's a little bit concerning because his base hasn't been strong. And it's not that he can't get through the work. We've seen him do it when he's playing second row forward. It just seems that so far as he's kind of easing his way back in, he's pretty happy to be mainly a distributor. Uh, and he does have a very damaging running game. How do you guys feel if potentially coming up soon, you were going to have to run with Schuster as your leading 5'8"? Dan, what are your thoughts? I think it's fine for one or two rounds. I, I don't I don't see an issue with it. The, the big thing that Schuster's got on his side is his dual position that he can go to the back row. So you get a big injury in the back row, it's fine. Schuster can flip up there. You can get a gun half coming into your side. No problem. I think that's the biggest biggest draw card for Schuster. Uh, say he was 5'8 only and you had to run 
him and, and the likes of Katoa or something like that, uh, or Dewey and Dewey's got the buy round seven. It's it's a little bit tougher, but I think uh, the the duality just gives it so much flexibility there, and and I think he's a definite buy in this week. He can he can still go really well, uh, particularly against the lesser teams. He's you can see he's very involved in that left hand edge at the moment. Uh, he's got the flair. He doesn't have the base, uh, but he can go on a hot streak where he could make you know 150 200k really quickly. Uh, he can also bomb out, uh, but he's nearly bottom price. So he's got nowhere to bomb out to in terms of cash. So easy to bring in this week for me. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I've seen a few people on social media saying that he's not a buy. Uh, and I just think it's just such a clear cut. He's an absolute buy for this week for everything you just outlined, Dan. Uh, the last one we want to talk about in 5.8 was Dylan Brown, who was a very popular buy last week. Came out with a score in the mid-40s uh, on the on the weekend. Scandy, what do you think? There's no need, There's no reason to throw the toys out of the cot and do anything drastic with Dylan Brown, is there? No, no way. He's a hold at the moment. Um, he's still he's putting out decent numbers. Uh, he's got an average of 68. He had that game last week. He got 47, but before that he got 105 and 88. So, yeah, I'd hold Dylan Brown. He's good. All right, let's move on to the centre wing. The first guy we want to talk about is a man who two weeks ago, Tubes on this podcast, said he was a sell. And since then, he's gone bang, bang. It's uh, Aldi uh, Aldi Tedesco or No Frills Tedesco. It's Lockie Miller who has been looking absolutely unbelievable at the moment. Scandy, you're looking at bringing him in. I he has it. Have him in my team. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that's why. That's why he got number one this week, mate. He's uh, he's he's got a he's got a step team. I'm a true believer of Lockie Miller. So he, originally he was actually going to be my pot of the week because um, I think he has he still has a pretty low ownership, but he's averaging 75. Um, traditionally he was like a he was a runner, so that Tedesco type player, lots of tackle breaks, but you can see now he started ball playing set and setting up tries. Um, Tubes actually talked about Katoa as a must-have. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this guy is a must-have for CTW. Ooh, um, be cool. Yeah, I, I actually think he may be one of the best performing uh, center wings by the end of the year. Um, between him and Garrick, yeah, I think I think he might have him. I just like the way he plays. And I don't think Newcastle are as bad as everyone's saying he is. Um, he has a super high ceiling, so yeah. Like yeah, they're, they're definitely looking for him um, in attack, which is great because he's got the base to back it up. Um, ridiculous hit up hit up stats last week. He just wants the ball. He's got that. He's got that Teddy style push off. I'd say he's more like the Tesla Tesla Teddy. Like he not not <laughs> maybe maybe doesn't have that sort of next level, but he'll certainly he'll certainly do a job around the park. And he's. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think he's a great buy this week if you can fit him in. If you've only got two gun center wings, uh, I think a third he would be a perfect perfect setup there. Uh, I'm I'm even floating some theories around about dropping AKP this week uh, on the buy, Oof. bringing in Miller, uh, and then I know that I'm probably going to get rid of Talakai next week. So then flip it back to AKP if he keeps his spot, and then off the off chance Kenny Mamalo. Isn't play is is getting the spot in AKP's dropped like it, it's absolute gold, but it's, it's it's an unlikely one I'll do, but I certainly think Lockie Miller is a very good buy this week. 
Dan, I just people listening can't see us, obviously, but I just want to say I appreciate that you stuck up your hand then for a good ten seconds to let me know you wanted to have a comment there. It's it's working on our chemistry, and I really appreciate it. So I didn't cut you off again. Uh, let's move on to Jackson Paulo, and I feel absolutely sickened to even bring him up as a buy on this podcast. He after watching him cost South games last year on the wing, where he was just dropping balls. But he needs to be talked to. Me. He's got that big negative break even. Dan, would you look at all at bringing in Jackson Paulo into your team? Uh, I would for sure. It depends on your your makeup and if you've if you've got the cash to kind of go up to him. Again, it comes back to like what your plans are. If you if you have Nico Hines already, if you've got Nico and Cleary, I think you can play around with these center wings a bit for the cash grabs. Uh, the one thing against him is they've got a tough couple of games coming up. The Roosters. Uh, I would have liked to see Joey Manu on the inside of him because I think that would have opened it up, particularly against the Parramatta uh, left-edge defence this week. I think he could have had a field day and, and he could have could have had a couple more tries, which would have seen him go 700K plus. Uh, if you still think he's a good option and he's going to get some attacking stats, I think you can buy him for sure, but his base is really a letdown for me. So if he's not getting those tries, he's, he's not not a huge amount of value at, at 530k. Or yeah, fair enough. How much, how much is he? Yeah, 570 odd. I think that's right, maybe even 580. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, Ruben Garrick, uh, there was some chatter that he was potentially going to move to the centres this week with Jason Saab coming back due to the injury for Canicola, Stubby Cooler, but he has <laughs> stayed on the wing, which I think is a, a massive win for all of his owners. That left edge for Manly and Garrick on the end of it just looked so impressive. Um, watching that game last week, there were so many times they looked like they were going to break South open. And Garrick just, every time he gets the ball, it's not like they're soft runs. It looks like he's running thinking, I'm either going to get around you or I'm going to beat you on the inside. So I think he's a, a fantastic buy, uh, particularly with them covering round 13. Did any of you guys have anything to add with Ruben Garrick? I wish I had him in my team from the start. I actually wanted to, but I just saw like in the trials – Turbo swinging around the back, giving him space, just handing him the ball when he falls over the dry line. I think he's going to go massive this year. Um, yeah, I want to get him in as soon as I can. Yeah, I think the, what threw people off at the start of the year was the round two buy for Manly. So everyone was jumping on Turbo. It was hard to go all Turbo Garrick, same team, can't play him round two. Uh, but it's turned out he's he's been the premium centre wing that you want. You know, if you started with him over Valentine Holmes, like you're absolutely flying. 770K isn't cheap, so you've got to factor that in in terms of your team balance. Uh, but if you're flushed with cash and your team's looking good otherwise, uh, you you can take a, take a punt this week and get him in uh, against the Knights at home. So, yeah, don't see him as a bad buy. I just think he's... He's, he's going to come at a big price. All right, next man we wanted to talk about was uh, Big Sifer Talakai, who I, I know a lot of people looking at his owners, sorry, looking at potentially selling him next week. I, I, I understand that. I do think there's the chance that Hines is going to be the tide that rises all ships. I, I think that he might start to look a lot better now that Nico's back in the team. Even though they generally sit on opposite edges, I just think Sharks as a whole, their attack is going to click so much better. So obviously he's one that people should hold for this week and then look at selling next week. But if he comes out and gets a good score, he's one that you might even be tempted to potentially hold, depending on what he does. Uh, Dan, you're an owner? Yeah, I'm an owner. And uh, if you, again, look at Scandy's team, Scandy's an owner as well. Uh, so that's probably why he's more relevant to this pod than anything else. Uh 
just at his price now, 590K, he's, he's not value to sell. Um, and on a, on a holding front, his form on the park hasn't been there. So that's been the biggest thing for me. He just doesn't, doesn't break those tackles. He doesn't look to get involved as much. He doesn't run as hard on that line ball as well. So he's, he's just not looking as, as a scary option. Uh, and then Moylan's usually looking out the back or Teague Wilton on his inside isn't looking to kind of give him early ball. He's kind of just running hard. And then Tyler Kai's not looking that interested to back him up. So uh, from a, from an eye test point of view, I'm, I still see him as a sell next week with the buy. Uh, but from a value perspective, I don't think you're, you're really losing much if you hold him. Scandy, what do you think? Any any reason why people should look at holding him for next week? Uh, yeah, maybe to your point, Hines could bring something out of him, but yeah, he hasn't he hasn't looked like the Telekai of last year. I mean, he's got a, he's got a decent base. He hasn't been scoring that badly, but I don't see those big numbers in him that I saw last year. So yeah, I'm I'm probably going to get rid of him at some point pretty soon. I reckon. Yeah, I think he's got to go a hundred plus this week to even consider keeping him. So, uh, and, and substantially pick up his, his involvement. Um, you know, you'd like to see, you'd like to see 40, 40 in base from him and, and a couple of tries. That'd be nice, but he's going to, it's going to have to be something big to keep him in the side. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, look, the next guy that we're going to talk about, historically, if he's been brought up on the pod pod, it's normally is a bit of a joke, but Marcello Montoya is a man actually worth mentioning. <laughs> he's super relevant. Tubes was just a year early on Marcello. Uh, he has been looking really good. The Warriors have been looking good. His base is up over pretty much 30 each week, and he's finishing off a few tries. I think he's got a negative BE at the moment as well. Would either of you guys be tempted to look at bringing in Montoya? No. I would be tempted. <laughs> He couldn't. He wouldn't be the worst option. Like last two games, 114 and 71, low break even, low ownership of two percent. Could possibly bring him in, but yeah, he's got some dud games in him. So if you're willing to ride that wave and know when to play him, then he could be an option. Or like Dan, you could just say no. <laughs> <laughs> The, the next guy is going to be a very popular buy this week. It's uh, Connolly Lemma-Elu from the, Titan, uh, the Titans, the Dolphins, uh, who's on the edge for them. He was actually Max Pot of the week last week, so I have to throw it out there so he doesn't get cranky because I know he's pretty happy with how that's gone along. I think he got a score in the 50s last week. He's centre wing only, but I think we can expect that after they do their round six changes that he should be uh, made into a dual player, which is obviously going to be very handy sitting in the 300s. I think he would be an excellent buy this week. But for me, looking at my centre wings, I either have guns who are going pretty well or I have cows that are still fattening. Uh, Dan, you mentioned potentially before trading at AKP. Any kind of case of AKP to Lemma Elu? Or is, is someone else you'd look at downgrading a gun to? Mm, that, that's a tough one. I, I think I wouldn't go AKP out for a cheapie. I'd do it to get a premium guy who you want to get in before they go astronomical. So... There's no chance I'd trade AKP out to him this week. It's too high risk. Uh, you could go downgrade. You could downgrade one of your misfiring guns for sure to him. The dual status is going to be really handy, so you can flip him up there and get another center wing gun coming up for the uh, for the next few rounds. Uh, I think that'll come in round six. I think it's pretty much been confirmed that that's getting changed as well. So he's getting changed particularly. 
so yeah, he's he's not a bad buy for me. He's just just outside that cheapy price of three hundred and seventy. Uh, if he doesn't have attacking stats, I could see him being a bit dot ball with sort of fifty scores. Uh, he did well on the weekend, but I think he had a line break, a couple of couple of tackle breaks in there to get his fifty eight. Was it fifty eight? Uh, so I could see him having a few forty scores in him, being a bit like a Trent Loyero. Uh, he's got a little bit more X factor than someone like him, but uh, he's better than Trent Loyero. I'm, I'm very, same I'm very much on the fence with whether he's a buy or not. Uh, I don't see him as a as a cheapy cross switch. Uh, I don't. I see him as maybe a downgrade to to look to get someone like Nico Hines in. Uh, that that would be the reasons I would buy. Yeah, I, I agree completely, Dan. I think he's someone who's a good buy, but by no means a must-have, and, and he's a pretty – you're fine if you miss him. Last one just worth mentioning is Murray Chiolangi, who is out this week. I know he's a, a super coach relevant player who's got decent ownership, so if you have Murray Chiolangi, I might consider selling him this week. Position, I think the first man we have to talk about is Reese Walsh. Uh, he is looking absolutely electric. And as a non-owner on the weekend, watching that game, every time he touched the ball, I was absolutely almost having a minor heart attack on the couch, just waiting for something to come through. Uh, and he did a couple of times. Uh, I think one of his tries, his people might call controversial, but I think under the rules of Supercoach, they're pretty much given to the fullback every time. So there was nothing wrong with that. Uh Scandy, I think I, I've stuffed up your team twice already tonight, but I don't think you have Reese Walsh, do you? Or have I stuffed up again? Um, no, I'm not a Reese Walsh owner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I kind of wish I was. The only thing kind of like holding me off from getting him, which I probably regret, is he had that that game where he was on like 20 odd or something at um, like 70 minutes, and then he just exploded in the last 10 minutes and. Pumped to 90, and I'm just like, geez. Um, but yeah, he looks so good. I think he's going to be one of those players that goes pretty big a lot of the time, and I think I'll probably regret not bringing him in. But yeah, I think he's definitely a target. Yeah, I think that at that price for you, Scandy, like I think you're fine to leave Lockie Miller there, and you've got the likes of Teddy dropping cash, Latrell definitely dropping cash. Like I think in the next few rounds – if Reese Rolsch is more expensive than those guys, if you've got him already, it's a great uh, option to kind of switch across. Uh, but I think it's a little bit of a waste now to bring him in because uh, I think you're then going to look to get the likes of Teddy or Trell later on down the track. So it's just you've uh, you've kind of missed the boat, I think, on Reese Walsh. And as you said, he probably does have a 30-point game in him if something goes wrong for the Bronx. They've got a obviously a great draw. They've got Tigers, Raiders, Titans coming up. Uh, so he could still go nuts. Uh, but I think you've probably missed the boat this week. Yeah, unfortunately I have. Um, oh, well. Yeah. Dan, someone you mentioned, there's someone I'm interested to talk about, uh, Latrell Mitchell, who is losing a lot of cash. I think you said earlier, Dan, I don't know if it was uh, before we started recording or on the podcast, so worth mentioning, I think you said round nine was where you're looking at maybe starting to target some of those South players heading into the, the round 13 buy. But obviously, Latrell's a little bit different because he's going to play Origin. Would he be someone, Dan, that you'd look at bringing in before the buys, or is he going to be an end-of-year wait for you? Uh no, I, I I like him. I I I can certainly see him 
been in my team early. Um, just not right now. I think potentially potentially even next week, like if something goes wrong with injury, they've got Bulldogs, Dolphins, uh, six and seven where he could go big and then he's not dropping any more cash. Uh, and then it doesn't really clear up for Souths until round 11, uh, but then they've got a great run. So you got to factor in Origin there. He's going to play. Uh, he's not going to be available for the buy rounds. Uh, but certainly if if Latrell gets to what, – what's his price now? 700 and something? Or eight? 754. 754. If he drops another 50K this week, picking up Latrell at 700K is great. So I think that would be your option, uh, Scandy, just to give you advice when you've, you've topped the round. Uh, <laughs> but I would I would be looking at, yeah, switching, switching Lockie Miller up to the centre wing and maybe bringing in the likes of Trell next week. Yeah, good advice. Uh, I got a little bit of advice off social media as well, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> the tall poppy syndrome. Uh, look, fellas, before we move on to our next segment, is there any other players that you guys want to hit on before we move on, or are we good to keep going? Uh, maybe, maybe a quick one. Uh, Eli Katoa, is he a buyer oh, yeah. this week at five hundred seventy k? I mean, Tuesday. I've got him. So yeah, Tubes and I will be on him in the preseason. I, I, I think he. He's going to be a keeper. Like, I just think he's, his base is so strong and he looks really good on that right edge. He's actually looking for work a lot this year. We know he's got that attacking upside. I think the only question mark I had for him was can he play 80 minutes and he's proven, yeah, that he can. He's become one of their better attacking weapons this year. That that cutout ball he threw on the weekend to set up Warbrick in the corner was absolutely beautiful. So I, I don't know. It's a bit of a hard call. I think... I don't think you've missed the boat yet because I still think he's undervalued at this price. I think there's weeks. I think there's probably a 40 score coming. But at the same time, I think when you when you average in those attacking stats that are going to come as well, I, I do think he's still underpriced. Yeah, it's tough. It's it's is it a, is it an awkward price for me now? Um, I love good good on anyone who had him or even brought him in the last two rounds. I think it's he's been a great pickup. It's exciting to watch. Much more exciting than my boy Trent Loyero on the on the left edge. Uh, <laughs> Actively, <laughs> actively avoids the ball in the attacking zone. Uh, so yeah, Katoa, I think you've probably missed the boat at 576k. I would, I would be very disappointed if I bought him in this week and he's go, he goes a couple forties back to back. Yeah, which I think there's every chance of happening if he misses those attacking stats. All right, let's move on to our pot of the weeks. First up, with just a quick recap from last week. Uh, the team last week, C-Mac went Ronaldo, Mulatalo was his part of the week who had 96, so an absolutely fantastic call. Dan went Jack Bird, who was shifted to the bench just before kickoff and went to score 33 in his 66 minutes. I mean, yeah. Dan, I'll defend you there. Obviously, if you hadn't known he was going to be benched, there's no way he would have been your part of the week. No way. No, I mean, uh, you know, it's just, just the season for me. I'm expecting these sort of things popping up regularly. Looking forward to your part of the week tonight. And Matt went uh, with Connolly Lemelu, who he did say he was going a week earlier on, but he scored 58 and looks like a pretty strong option for this week, so he did well. Uh, Scandy, let's start with you. Who, who are you looking at as your part of the week for this week? So my part of the week is Ryan Madison. So his last game, he scored 75 in pure base. Um, the bloke can, like, set up... Set up tries, he can score tries. He plays the Roosters this week, and his last three games against them, he scored 69, 107, and 85. Only 350 people own him in the whole of Supercoach. So, wow. 
He is ultra, ultra pod. I like it. That's a, I like it. Yeah, that's a special for you guys. Um, he does come with a warning, though. The bloke gets knocked out more than a heavyweight boxer, and he cost <laughs> me so badly last year when it came to buy-round planning. It killed me. Um, yeah, I do like him as a player, though, and as long as he can not get HIA'd and stay on the field, I think he's he's a good pickup. Yeah, and you'd have to think he's pretty safe in terms of origin. I know he played – I think he played game one last year and then was dropped from the team for the remaining two games. So you'd have to think he's pretty safe over that bye period and obviously playing 13, 16 and 19, I think he's a, a great shout. be interesting to see if his role changes this week with uh, Junior Bolo going out if he spends a little bit of time in the middle as well. But I don't think it's going to affect his minutes or his output either way. Dan, who, who are we looking – who are you cursing this no. week? Well – you know, the amount of – I'm sure the listeners know the amount of time I put into Supercoach researching. I For this segment, I do zero. I, I basically look at the look at the percentages and go, okay, let's just throw a number out. Let's just throw, throw a body out there. Uh, this week I'm going Selwyn Cobbo. So he's still under 10% ownership. Uh, his price is pretty good at, at low 500s. Uh, and we know he can ton up. So the Broncos just need to score – uh, twenty-five plus points, and I think he's he's usually in for a time just being on the wing there. He's also picked up his base stats a little bit, so he's 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 looking. We talked about him in the preseason. He he's a bigger frame this year, busting a few more tackles, getting a bit more involved. He just needs one of those games where he gets a double or or a hat trick, and and he's absolutely flying. So uh, he's one for me over the next few rounds. Hopefully, make a couple hundred k, and you can flip him up to a to a Garrick or something like that. All right, we look forward to his 20 this weekend. Uh, my <laughs> pot of the week is Alex Johnston. Uh, he's already lost 83K. He's got a B of 93. Uh, I think he's a man you want to get in when he's about to come in on a, on a bit of a run. And I think South's left edge hasn't looked as sharp as it normally does. So for me, it feels like it's only a matter of time to clicks. Uh, round 13, obviously, he's covering with South. And in their next 11 games, South have Melbourne twice, and they haven't looked great just yet. Uh, and he will be going up against Will Warbrick, who's had a few defensive errors in him. Uh, then they come, uh, they had the Bulldogs, Dolphins, Tigers, Raiders, Titans, and Dragons all in the next 11 games. So I think AJ's a man you just want to get in on the right time. And I think that time is, if not this week, next week's the week for me for AJ. Uh, all right, moving on to our final segment of the show, Tubes' mailbag. And this week we have a couple of questions. Uh, the first one comes in from Jared. He has asked us, is it worth a boost to go Adam Dewey to Dylan Brown this week or should I wait until next week and hope that I don't have any issues? Scandy, what are your thoughts on that one? Good question. Um, I did come with the stats before that Dewey's caused traditionally pretty well against the Broncos. I just, yeah, Dan may have convinced me to keep him uh, if you want to. He hasn't been scoring that badly. Um I just, I don't know, my gut feeling, I just don't like him at fullback. Um, yeah, I'd be I'd be very tempted to go to deal bags to upgrade for sure. Dan, any thoughts? Yeah, uh, I don't think he's worth a boost. I don't I don't think you'd, I, I've been doing a bit more deep diving into trades and how important they're going to be later on. I think um, even though you got more this year, it's going to be really tough. And I think the boosts are going to be really vital. So, I don't see that as a value value boost um, this week. I would uh, I would I would back Dewey to have a bit of a bounce back. I think Dill Dill Brown's break even is quite high as well. So 
say even if Dewey matches Brown, you're not really losing out cash because I know I know um, Dewey's got a ninety something break even. So I just don't think it's worth the boost this week. And then the other thing I'd say is look at your three trade plan. I, I'd assume Jared is going to look to bring in Nico Hines if he doesn't have him already. So if Dylan Brown, you know, spending cash to go up, what is it, two hundred grand or so? Uh, from Dewey is gonna. That's two hundred grand you can't spend on trying to get Nico Hines in. So, I would uh, I would leave that boost trade for this week. And obviously, first time host, I've stuffed up there. Should mention that uh, our Tuesday's mailbag is brought to us courtesy of Mailbag Bloodstock, where just by chucking in your question, you could win two and a half percent share of a horse, which uh, Jared will now go into the draw to do. Dan, we have one more question this week for Tuesday's mailbag. Yep. So. Make sure you get your questions in on uh, Twitter as well. Two and a half percent of a horse could turn into could turn into a million dollars. You never know. So, thanks to Dick Allen, uh Mailbag Bloodstock. Uh, great to have some great to have some sponsors on for this year. Funny thing is, we as soon as the uh, the team of the week came out, uh, we got a question come in straight away, and it was from Scandy himself uh, to the NRL Pod Pod. What's better? Winning the hundred meters or winning the two k with a little screenshot of his uh, of his weekly prize. Now, for our listeners who haven't been haven't been with us all our time, uh, it was early early days when Matty Rex was spruiking up how good he was at sprinting as a youngster, uh, and he was talking about the famous, the infamous uh, hundred meter invitational for uh, St Patrick's College. Uh, and he mentioned that Scandi was in the race and he, he, he absolutely flogged him, uh, or so he said. I, I remember it being a bit closer. Um, I'm sure Scandi does too. But, uh, but yeah, Matty Rick's absolutely rubbish, Scandi, and Scandi's always had a little bit, little bit of a chip on his shoulder as, as a result. So uh, I, I guess I'm going to get you to answer your own question, Scandi, because you've actually won the 2K. What would you have rather winning the two k or beating Matt at the hundred meter invitational? I mean, I'm a very competitive person, and I honestly wish Matt was here today because I'd like to ask him a few questions about that win. Because <laughs> I think James basically like hit the nail on the head. The bloke came from nowhere. He had a Forest Gump moment. So one year he was not quick. <laughs> the next year he was lightning oh, quick for sure. For sure. Yeah. So I'm. So I'm just wondering if he was on the same stuff as Bronson Cherry, or he's getting trained by. <laughs> well, well, the stuff the stuff Bronson Cherry's on wasn't around then, but it was very similar timing to Lance Armstrong's uh, breakout career. Yeah, right. So there, there was something in it. Either. Like I think you know, I I personally used to flog him all the time, and and we just he just we just give it to him, and it it was literally a Forrest Gump moment <laughs> where he just became quick all of a sudden, uh, and to beat the likes of yourself, Scandy. And uh, I think Nick Youngquest, ex Penrith winger, potentially was in he? there too. Yeah, it may yeah, have been that year or the year, but the year after. But that's that's his claim to fame. So I think uh, if you ask him now, I think he'd probably still want to win that hundred meter race just for the story <laughs> rather than the two k. Uh, so we might have to bring it up next week and see see what he thinks. Yeah, see what he says. Um, I'll enjoy my uh, Colonel's chicken as well. Fifteen dollars are the best. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, I think that's us done for this week. Uh, Scandy, congratulations again on the big win last week, mate, and thank you so much for joining us tonight and, and helping out. Thanks for having me, boys. It's been fun.
Dan, as always, an absolute pleasure. Thank you, guys, and thank you, everyone. Have a great Supercoach week. Yeah, thank you, Jono, and, uh, yeah, well done on hosting, mate. Top effort. (laughs) Thank you.